0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to the IFSEC Global Security in Focus podcast, where we bring you exclusive interviews with leading figures in the physical security industry to get to the heart of the profession. I'm your host, James Moore, the editor of IFSEC Global, and I'm delighted to bring you episode four of the Security in Focus podcast. We're lucky enough to have not one, but two guests for today's episode, where we'll be discussing Converged Security Centers and the Internet of Things. Now, I'll be the first to admit that the Internet of Things, or IoT, as it is often known, can be quite a vague and all-encompassing term, but it's also becoming more and more integral to the physical security environment and the developing collaborative approaches between the cyber, IT, and physical world. First, though, I thought we'd bring you a couple of major stories from around the security industry, Both stories can be found on ifsetglobal.com under the News tab. First up, we have the news that Securitas, one of the world's largest security services companies, has completed its acquisition of Stanley Black & Decker's electronic security services business, Stanley Security. The acquisition, reportedly worth $3.2 billion, is said to underline the faith in the electronic security services market and means that Securitas can reduce its reliance on staff intensive guarding, according to a report from Reuters. Also in the news is the story that demand for employee monitoring software has almost doubled since the start of the COVID pandemic, according to research published from the Harvard Business Review. A topic we discussed with Mike Gipps in episode three of the podcast, the growth in employee monitoring can cause some angst amongst employees and potentially result in the risk of the insider threat. Although the study does underline that if employees are aware and felt they were being treated fairly, they are less likely to react negatively. Anyway, on to the episodes. Many of those who read IFSEC Global on a regular basis or attend the IFSEC International Exhibition will know of James Willison and Saab Sembi. Amongst many other roles, the two are consultants for the Converged Security Centre at the show, a key feature area where the cyber and physical security worlds unite, and experts provide commentary on a range of scenarios utilising a Converged Security platform over the three days. Advances were this year's Converged Security Centre partners, and there are several fantastic presentations from the team and James and Saab outlined on potential security scenarios in sectors such as education, logistics, data centres, and transport, and many more. Outside of this, the two are both part of the IoT Security Foundation, or IOTSF, and have helped establish and run the smart-built work and environment group within the foundation. Saab has been a cybersecurity professional for over 20 years, and is currently working as CISO at AI, while James Willison is founder of Unified Security, and has more than 20 years of management experience in the physical and information security industry. Unsurprisingly, both have been named to IFSEC Global's most influential list on several occasions. Within their various roles, James and Saab have done much more besides, including writing several articles for Ifstate Global. But let's get to the conversation, shall we? We start by asking James what exactly we mean by the term converse security.
1: What we mean by converged security is the bringing together of physical security leaders and managers and officers with cybersecurity and information security and other areas of more digital security groups into one area so that they can collaborate and look at the risk to the business together, rather than what's gone on for many years is a siloed approach, where you tend to have areas of the business which specialise in network security, but the person that's in putting the cameras onto the system, they don't talk with those guys. And so we're wanting to bring them together into, if it's not the same team, at least having meetings on a regular basis. That's why it's a valuable approach, and it's recognising, importantly, that both teams are of equal importance. Some might be more technical, but then you've got some technical groups within physical security as well. And there are other areas where they're stronger and they can complement each other, perhaps in investigations. And the expertise that they have can help the cybersecurity community improve their response on occasions, I'm not saying all the time. So there are areas where they need to collaborate more and benefit from each other's advice rather than think they've got to do it all themselves and not reach out to somebody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's about collaboration. It's about breaking out of those silos. Is that right, Sob?
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think the thing is, your question, you know, what does this mean and why should the security industry care? Well, it's a security industry includes every subsector or siloed sector or profession. And it's just interesting that the physical security profession has been around many, 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 many years longer than the cybersecurity industry. And there's great expertise there, just as there is within cyber. The only difference is that cyber is more technical. It may not have been around for as long, but it's seen more changes than the physical security has in a shorter space of time. And really, the whole point is that we're bringing them together so that they have a single view of risk And they figure out collectively how to manage that risk as opposed to work on it in silos. And whatever you call it, whether you call it converged integrated security, unified security, the name doesn't really matter. How you define it doesn't matter. The key thing that James and I both try to emphasize is that you need to have a single view. You need to bring in the different parties, the different professionals, and you need to make sure that you're managing some of the risks where the expertise sits on the other side and manage it effectively and bringing that expertise.
0: As you say, it doesn't have to be called converse security. It's got various names, but ultimately it's about breaking out of those silos and bringing the two major security departments together. Are you, are you seeing a growth in collaboration between IT and physical or, or, or cyber and physical? Is that happening, do you think, in the industry?
2: A lot of people within the industry will say, yes, we're talking more. And it's been driven by a whole range of things. Amongst one of those things is the technology, the fact that technology is moving. And, for example, we've got the new legislation coming out soon at some point, the telecoms bill. And the telecoms bill includes within it a part which covers IoT solutions. And there are requirements within that that anyone... Providing those solutions needs to make sure that those are secure. And IoT solutions providers are concerned. We've had fire industry worried about it, the lighting industry worried about it. So these are professionals that have traditionally never been interested in cyber. So, yes, when they're interested and they've never been interested in cyber, they're interested in speaking to their cyber counterparts, finding out what they need to be doing, finding out what role they need to be playing and what conversations they need to be having. And it's very interesting. And I think the organisations like the British Security Industry Association are playing a great role within that in bringing people together. And yes, there is a demand from all different sectors of security and those that were previously not considered security, but becoming in and being considered part of security now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And IoT, all forms a part of this. It's something we'll touch on a little bit later. And I know you two both very involved in the IoT Security Foundation. But just going back to the kind of converse security operation, James, how does a converse security centre work in practice? I know there was a few examples that we went through at IFSEC in May on the show floor. What did they look like? And what were the key takeaways that the audience took away from it?
1: Yes, we were looking at real case examples in education and in industry and how you could have a a control room that could look at different attacks where somebody was perhaps doing an online attack but they were combining with entering a building so that you could see where they were in the building. And also, if someone was acting suspiciously and remotely, attacking the same company but using the same ID. So you could actually see that and then isolate the incident, whether that was physically in the control room doing it and then responding by going to deal with the protester or whether somebody has caused abuse to somebody in in the education setting or whether that was in a another setting such as a business where they were being attacked in the banking situation the ability to be able to monitor in a sort of single track you know a single audit trail where you can identify what's going on and then make a decision with some technological assistance so that, you know, you, the badge would show up as so and so, but actually that person was in another building. The camera could go onto that person and say, yes, that person matches the badge, but this other person doesn't. So they isolate the right person and it gives that team a sense that they're part of a process, which is a valuable part of the process. And you might say, well, that means they should be paid more because that's, you know, bottom line, sometimes. Security officers think rightly, well, if I'm doing that, why aren't I paid a bit more for doing that? And that's an interesting situation. And going quickly back before I forget, with ASIS International, we have done some recent surveys on the development between collaboration between these different teams. And it has increased in the last couple of years from 22, to 23 to 34%. And we're wondering whether that's because of COVID or whether it's because of some other issue where more people working from home. Are there more risks to manage? Therefore, are teams now forced to work together? Or is it, I think it might be to do with the C documentation, which is the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency in America, where they've actually recommended security convergence in the last couple of years. So is that the reason why now, especially in America perhaps, that teams have to collaborate because it seems best practice By CISA, which is the U.S. government's agency for the critical infrastructure, and if we're you know watching things like undeclared war, these programs that are on now, how are we going to resist that and overcome it? Was clearly that would be a converged security strategy, which is what the U.S. government recommends now.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. That's risen. It's something that we've seen in some of the surveys that we've done on FSA Global. I think. We recently released the State of Access Control report, and we found that IT and cyber were involved in quite a high level of, of procurement specification of physical access control devices. Previously, these might have sat directly under the security department, I think. But as we move on to IoT shortly, everything's attached to a network now. You can't just have the one team looking at it. There's more than one team involved. You've got facilities, you've got IT, you've got cyber, as well as the physical security department who understand the base credential features that may not be understood elsewhere. (laughs) Interesting that the American society, what was the name, sorry? Uh,
1: ASIS International. Some people call it ASIS, but we're
0: not meant to be now. They've recommended it on that side of the pond. Do you think that's something we'll see in the UK?
2: It's a difficult one whether we'll see exactly that. We'll see something and we will see some changes because the great thing about the industry is that where there's good practice, It may take time, but it does get copied. It does filter through. And things that we've talked about for sort of five, six, seven, eight years here, they've been doing in the US, they've been doing in Singapore or whatever. So things do sort of expand out and the the industry is very good at adopting good practices. It may take a while, but they do get there eventually. So yes, the chances are we could see something similar here.
1: I mean, we have seen the NCSC work recommending collaborative working between physical information security teams, it's clearly worth saying, you know, if you've got physical security systems, you should be collaborating with cybersecurity to install these and and manage them as well. Whereas the American one, it is a much fuller guidance, because I've looked at it. It's four pages of very clear guidance on what to do and how to form a team. And
0: it's impressive, really. Do you think it's being driven more by the cyber side or more by the physical side with the collaboration?
2: Yeah, I think it's been driven by both to an extent. The cyber side, definitely, because I think the cyber side feel that because it is a cyber issue, they're going to have to deal with it. They might as well take control of it early if they can. But four or five years ago, it just happened to be something that if the CISO or the cyber team were interested, then they took control of it. Now it's not a case of if they're interested, it's a case of we'd better take control of it because if we don't, we're going to get bitten. And they are being very cautious now compared to a few years ago.
0: Yeah, and brings us nicely onto the kind of the IoT side of things, really. By the sound of it, it's because there's been vulnerabilities in physical security systems before. Am I right? And those kind of stories that have got out there into the, into the industry. And is it something mm-hmm. that the cyber teams have suddenly become very aware of and they now recognise that need to better protect the physical security yeah. devices?
2: I think the easiest way to look at it or to demonstrate what you've just said is, If you look at all the events in the last 15, 20 years, it's the hacker events that have attracted all of those physical security devices and systems that have been broken. If you go to the physical security events, you don't see the hackers there. They're all at the cyber events. So they attract that cyber audience. And because they attract that cyber audience, the cyber community cannot evade their responsibilities towards this.
0: IFSEC International returned to London's Excel in May 2022 for the first time in three years. And it returned in some style, as security, facilities, fire safety, health and safety, and intelligent building integration professionals all came together across IFSEC and its co-located shows to reconnect, learn, and grow their networks. But don't take our word for it. Have a listen to what some of the exhibitors have to say themselves.
2: It's great to be back at IFSEC, that intimate one-on-one, conversations face-to-face, you just can't replicate that over Teams or virtually. What we like most about IFSEC is, is an opportunity to meet with new customers that we've not met before, chance to network with, with new businesses and new people and it, yeah, it's an opportunity to get out into the market. It's in London, which gives us a, a fantastic opportunity to
1: mix with clients from around the world. So for us IFSEC is very important because it does have that international reach. So at the show we've been meeting quite a breadth of people that have actually come to see us at the show this week.
2: The opportunity to meet many people over such a short period of time is is an opportunity you just don't get in an average working
1: week. We've been exhibiting in IFSEX since 2009, so quite a long time and we are always very excited to come here. It's an opportunity for us to see what else is going on in the industry.
2: It's a fabulous opportunity to get uh, input and feedback from across the market. IFSEX is one of the most important shows in the world and giving us an opportunity to keep developing our product range for what our installers need is invaluable to our growth as an organization and IFSEC is a great place to do that if i was to describe IFSEC in a word it would be brilliant innovation large fantastic opportunity collaboration
0: so IFSEC international is back in 2023 between the 16th and 18th of may at london's excel If you want to be notified as soon as registration opens, then you can pre-register your interest today by following the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to exhibit and speak to thousands of security, facilities, fire, and health and safety professionals, then just head to the website and download the sales brochure to find out more and speak to a member of the team. Let's get back to the discussion at hand today. For the second half of the podcast, we talk a little more about James and Saab's roles at the IoT Security Foundation. The IoT SF is a not-for-profit global membership organization striving to make the connected world more secure as IOT device usage continues to expand at pace. But how does this impact the world of physical security? Well, we start by asking James this exact question and asking him to explain a little more about what the foundation is all about.
1: I'm now the project and engagement manager, so we're working on lots of projects where we're seeking to engage people with IoT security, and what does that mean to them? One principal thing is we're trying to make the router and the networks around the router more secure, which is an open intelligence, open source project. So we're encouraging people to join that, who understand router security and other parts of the network, and how we can make that more secure. That's a government project as well. So two projects, basically, they're about securing the many things called Many Secured. And then the other ones are working with Saad Moore, who's on the board now. We're working with CISOs in the future to try and bring challenges that they might be facing around IoT, and IoT security in particular. And then we're also looking at smart buildings and how to better secure those so that the people that are working in them, the facilities managers, the building owners, the manufacturers who supply those, looking at the whole supply chain, but also people who are actually integrating and installing the systems and then the, helping the security managers and the FMs to actually make sure a) they know how many devices and systems they've got, which is a challenge, and what are they doing? Another challenge. What is IoT doing in their building? And that's a huge area to try and understand because you don't even know how many you've bought necessarily. And then trying to work out as a big organization, Where are you going to start with the risk to those devices and systems that Sarah was talking about? There's so many different things to look at, and we're very privileged. I'm now (laughs) full time working with them, but there's so much to cover. (laughs) We've got a big community which we reach out to. So so please, anyone who's interested in this, don't hesitate to to get in touch with us because we want to try and help make this situation a bit better.
0: IoT is in almost every facet of every industry right now, yes. isn't it? It's in from, yeah. from manufacturing to logistics through to, you know, we cover fire as well on set Global. And right. I know we, we had exactly. some discussions on that at FireX this year. There's an old adage you've used, which is if it ain't secure, it ain't smart. We talk about smart buildings in a lot of industries now. It's a term that is sometimes difficult to define. What does smart really mean? Do you think end users and organizations are really aware of how protected their devices are and what they're buying? Or is that a part of the IoT Security Foundation's mantra to educate everybody on security of their devices?
2: Partly, and I think you're right, and that's a really good question, that everything that you see is driven by marketing, by vendors telling you it's smart. No matter how smart or not smart it is, it's like if we call it smart, we can sell more of it. And in some respects, it sort of weakened the actual meaning of the term of what smart was. And so much so that the NCC in their document that they produced, they didn't call it smart buildings. They call it connected buildings or connected places because they are connected. They may not be smart. You could have two buildings with lots of technology that are connected. But the teams running those technologies would not have thought that the technologies were smart technologies. And that's quite important. And from the IoT Security Foundation's perspective, it covers all of those as well as those that are considered smart, those that are future thinking and so on. So it's trying to cover all of those. And it's trying to cover them in a way where it reaches out to the right audiences that should care and or are responsible. And really, it's trying to bring about the changes in the right way. And yes, James mentioned the work that James and I do as co-chairs of the Smart Build Environment Group. And we have been doing a lot of work around there in terms of looking at guidance and so on. But my role, separate from that group on the board, really is to have a look at the bigger picture. But before going to the bigger picture, some of the work I have done within the Smart Built Environment Group includes working with the British Security Industry Association, the BSIA, in the work that was looking at installers of CCTV systems. And there's some great guidance that's come from them on that, and I was lucky enough to be one of the members of the team, and because I'm one of the few cyber members, I get a lot more mentions than many of the other members who have contributed far more than I have, but because they don't have the cyber experience, unfortunately, I get the greater mention. The teams are fantastic. They've got years of experience, and they've put together a great code of practice around installation. They've got a great code of practice around manufacturing and what to take into consideration. It's not the end goal that they've achieved so far. What they've achieved is the first baby step to getting the industry and the installers thinking about it. And I say baby steps because when I joined the group, I wanted to do loads more and they all understood it. They said, at the moment, we've got challenges just asking them to do these few things. If we start moving fast, we'll lose them all and it will never, ever happen. So really what they did was they were great holding me in check and saying, look, let's start looking at those things that are easy for them to do or we can get them to do as a first step. And once we've got them to do that, we'll move on. And the great thing is it's a good kind of practice for the manufacturers and the installers. And what's happened since then is that other industry bodies, as I mentioned earlier on, the fire association, lighting industry association, they've both been interested in the installer documents and partly it's been driven by the legislation. So that's again some of the work we've been doing in the Smart Built Environment Group. From the board perspective, in terms of you know, part of the question you asked me about where the focus is, because I'm a chief information security officer, I am looking and working with the ITSF to help target some of that CISO community and what they can do and how they can improve and how they can work with their teams and equally how they can start taking the right responsibility. And some of the work we're doing, we will be presenting at the IOTSF conference in October this year. I've been doing some work which basically looks at some of the frameworks and standards that are out there and looking at how they're outdated they are when compared to the assurance framework that the IOTSF has, because that's updated every year in relation to the threats and the risks that are out there, as opposed to the frameworks, like the NIST cybersecurity framework, it's an excellent framework, it was really good when it came out, but it's a good few years old, and it's showing its age because it hasn't adapted to today's risks and threats out there. So those are the sorts of things that the ITSF, the board level that we've been looking at and how we can help the community out there.
0: You know, physical security threats evolve, they do change, but the cyber world, it seems to evolve quicker and develop more sophisticated ways of attacking and, and getting into in systems than it is difficult to keep up from a defence perspective, I guess. And that's why that, you know, getting the basics right from the installation stage, I guess, to the start of the supply chain, from the manufacturing stage through to ensuring your suppliers are, are yeah. cyber secure. I think that's what the IASME Cyber Essentials Scheme is about, from my understanding. And getting it right from installers <laughs> through to end users and in, into use, I guess, is, is, is what it's all about.
2: That's a really good example you use. And I think the point to understand about that is the fact that organisations need to look at organisational security, they need to look at technology security, like technical standards. So, for example, you might have a standard for network cabling, you might have a standard for safety, whatever those are. There might be technology standards, but then you've got product standards. So when you've got all these standards, it's making sure you're bringing in the right expertise who know how to deal with that particular standard for whatever system we're talking about.
1: And on that as well, the IoT Security Foundation has got an excellent new document called Securing the IoT Supply Chain. I read it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'd seen the drafts, but the completed version is really something to behold. I might say (laughs) it's very impressive. So I would recommend that because unfortunately, Salvin I's work on the document with a few other colleagues hasn't come out yet. But this one is certainly worth a read because it does actually give you practical advice on, you know, what should you be looking at when you're purchasing a new IOC security system? It goes into some really practical issues to address what are the suppliers saying to you what are they promising what are you doing in response how are you managing that risk it's a good read
2: <laughs> the other way to look at it from many enterprise perspectives is that you can manage your staff you can manage your technology but if you're an enterprise with 50 60000 third party suppliers of services we've seen so many attacks over the last 10 15 years that have been targeted attacks Two third party suppliers, and that's how the attackers got in because they know that that's a weak link. Quite often, it could be smaller suppliers, and just as often, it could be larger suppliers. I mean, like the attack to Lockheed Martin wasn't Lockheed Martin directly, it was RSA. There were three emails targeting three key people, and two of them didn't open the email, the third one did. You can't blame the person. And that's the way we believe now. We know things are going to get through, but we know that these other parties are going to be targeted. But third parties are a big issue, not just in fishing, but when it comes to technology generally around IoT, the whole supply chain, everything that goes into the solution that you're buying is going to be you know, subject to attacks, perhaps. We've seen solar winds. Again, that was a third party attack. So there's a variety of them around There's examples for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it seems to me that it's, you know, it's really a part of everyone's responsibility now to think about the cyber risk from a physical security perspective. That's thinking about where you're getting your kit from, your CCTV, your surveillance, your access control, your intruder alarms, you know, working with the suppliers you're you're working with to understand what their cybersecurity credentials are and maybe even who going as far as who they work with. And we kind of hit back on that collaboration theme once again, from what I can tell.
1: Thinking on this collaboration thing, I remember one of the last times I saw David Clark, who's a great guy, he was a member of the IT Security Foundation, and he was head of ACES UK and various other things. And we were on this panel together in Vienna, it was quite nice, nice place to be, you know, my wife was in the audience. This guy says, stupid to do convergence, that doesn't make any sense, just carry on as we are, because we we know what we're doing, we're quite happy with where we are in our risk management situation. And why should we be joining one department with cybersecurity? So it's quite direct, you know. So I thought, well, this is a (laughs) challenge. As you get these sort of challenges. And then Dave said, no, it's not going to work for the future. You can't work like this. In a smart building, you've got, say, up to 50,000 devices and different systems all connecting to you don't know what. And how are you going to manage that? Unless you're working quite closely with the cybersecurity team. He said, it's not going to work. This guy couldn't say much back to him, to be honest. I was going to say, the other way to look at
2: that is, if you look at cybersecurity systems, many of them are not connected. Yes, there are some things that are connected, but most cybersecurity Mm. systems are not connected. However, if we're looking at physical security... We're getting a lot of convergence and they are connecting and connecting and connecting. Everything is connecting. <laughs> and, and that is strange. Cybersecurity security feel that they yeah. don't want to be connecting their systems. Yet the driver from the physical security side is from the vendors saying, if you connect them together, you can do more. And there are benefits. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely benefits. But although there are benefits, the challenges from the cybersecurity end is you could have a very, very secure system. All you need to do is put one device that's not secure and everything yeah. that you've spent all the money securing is no longer secure.
0: Welcome back. And what a pleasure it was to hear from two experts, James and Saab, talking about converse security and IoT. Once again, as I think we've heard in every episode of the Ifset Global podcast so far, a collaborative approach to security is a central tenant to a converged operation. And I think collaboration will also be key to developing awareness in an organization and throughout the supply chain to thinking about IoT security as well. It's great to hear crossover work internally between physical security and IT teams has grown. I think we've seen that both in the reports on IFSEC Global that we rewrite and also in the ACIS report that James mentioned within the podcast. There's inevitably going to be challenges in crossing boundaries, but it was also encouraging to hear the codes of practice that are being developed by experts are aimed at physical security professionals. Baby steps, as Saab said, might sound small, but all good processes have to start somewhere. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the Converse Security Centre in particular, Check out the link in the description to this podcast, where there's a video interview with James and Saab at this year's IFSEC International. They explain what it's all about, what attendees had the chance to see in May and what people can expect if they visit next year. And there's also a link in the description to our latest trend report on physical access control and the registration page for the weekly IFSEC Global Security Briefing newsletter that you can sign up for to keep you updated on all the goings on in the industry. But that's all from this episode of the Security in Focus podcast. This has been a podcast from Ifset Global. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn to keep up with all the latest in the industry. And it's actually worth mentioning, we're also now on Instagram. So follow us there as well. Thanks for listening and see you next time.